come to a very vital part of our worship. And in our tithes and our offerings, we are acknowledging the ownership of God of all things, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And Father, we do acknowledge your ownership of all things and help us to be good stewards of all that you've entrusted to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 19 tells us that the law of the Lord is perfect and it revives the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. And the commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance Ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They're more precious than gold, 
than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Have you ever, ever watched birds eat and feed? We live out in the country, and you know it's one of the most interesting things to watch how birds feed. Now the reason I say that is God takes care of all of his critters including human critters. But it, it is so interesting. Now you take a robin. A robin just hops around on the ground. See, God has given robins built-in radar. And um, this robin skits around on the ground, very slow, very deliberate, and they love to eat worms for some reason. Okay, now there they are, 
those robins, they get their radar tuned in, seeking the food. All of a sudden, ducks his head. He's getting that radar tuned on to that worm in the ground. He finds out where the worm is. And have you ever noticed, when the robin pulls that worm out, he looks up. I always wonder, why is the robin looked up? And I figured out. Thank you, Lord. He's giving the blessing to the Lord, and he eats the worm. That's the way the robin eats. He moves around on the ground, ducks his head, lets that radar pick up whatever vibrations the worm makes and pulls the worm out, lifts his head to heaven, and eats the worm. Now, sparrows are much faster than robins. Sparrows are much smaller, quicker, and they're much more plentiful than robins. Now, sparrows don't like worms, and um, they eat bugs and flies and insects and, and so on. Now, what if God made sparrows to like worms? Well, the robins would starve to death. I mean, while the robin was trying to find a worm, the sparrows would already have eaten all of them, so many more of them, and they're so much faster, but God didn't make the sparrows that way. Uh, you see, God has made abundant provisions for all things. And the same is true for us. Now, there are many people this morning who are worrying about the physical and material things in their lives because they are assuming responsibility that God never intended us to have. You see, dear friends, God erected a cross on Calvary long before he made the Garden of Eden. God opens his hand and God satisfies the desire of every living creature. And God, God wanted us to be absolutely liberated and free from the fears and the frustrations that are part of human nature when it comes to material things. Now, there's only one way to be delivered from worry, anxiety, fear about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, and that is to notice and to follow God's prescription for His provision. And we have to realize that everything that God possesses, He provides for. Now, isn't it true for parents? Isn't it the responsibility of parents to provide for children? Well, if I belong to God, absolutely. If God owns me because He created me, and if God owns me because He bought me with the blood of Jesus then God is obligated to meet my needs because I belong to him. Now, that's exactly what the Bible says he will do. The apostle Paul told the church at Philippi, my God shall supply some of your needs. Did I misquote that? My God shall supply A-L-L, -L, and that spells all. In fact, in the Greek, it's a little more expressive than that. It means every single one. Not a one will be left out. My God will supply your physical needs, 
your mental needs, your emotional needs, your spiritual needs. He will supply all your needs and he's not a chintzy giver because he supplies them according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. Now that's what Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us a prescription for God's provision. And you'll never know God in his fullness, dear friends, until you come to the place that you are willing to trust God for provision. That's one of the most important aspects of the Christian life. You know why? Because many of us fail right here at this point. Did you know there are a lot of people who live like Christians on Sunday morning and they live like heathens the rest of the week? I'll explain that a little more fully later. But the step that you need to take in coming to know Christ in his fullness and coming to know the joy, the peace, the restfulness, the freedom from anxiety and worry and fear and frustration that God wants you to have is to acknowledge and accept God's prescription for his provision. Now Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What things? Well, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live. All these physical, material necessities of life, they'll be added to you. Now, Jesus clearly describes this prescription. There are three ingredients that he gives here in Matthew chapter 6. And if I'm going to be released from worry and anxiety about the necessities of life, what am I going to have to do? Three things. Number one, Jesus said, you must value yourself. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. Well, we've already done that. I've told you about the birds of the air, so lest you think I'm not being biblical, I just want to remind you that we have been biblical already. We've, we've looked at the birds. Jesus said, have you ever seen a bird planting a garden? Have you ever seen a bird tilling the soil? They don't plant, they don't reap, but the Father feeds them. And then Jesus asked this question, aren't you more valuable than those birds? I want to give you a little math lesson today. Now, you may want to take out your calculator and if you need that, but this is a very simple math lesson. Over in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus said, two sparrows are sold for one penny. You got that? Two sparrows, one penny. Then in Luke chapter 12, verse 6, he said, five sparrows are sold for two pennies. Now you got that? Two sparrows cost a penny, but if you double your order, they'll throw an extra one in free. Now that's how worthless the sparrows are. And God, and Jesus said, God knows about that fifth, worthless fifth sparrow. Cost nothing, worthless. 
And Jesus said, aren't you of more value than those sparrows? Aren't you much better than a bird? And so Jesus wants to know why you're so uptight about these necessities of life. Why do you feel you are responsible? You never saw a bird planting a garden. You never saw a bird reaping a harvest. Yet your heavenly Father takes care of them. He feeds them. And Jesus went on to say, look at the flowers growing out there in the field. And they don't work at it. They don't toil. They don't spin. They don't live in anxiety. And I say to you, your Father... That, that knows about them, and even Solomon, Solomon and all of his wealth and all of his glory, Solomon didn't have a suit of clothes nearly as beautiful as those flowers. Aren't you much better than they? Listen, the first thing you have to do is to realize how much you mean to God. Don't you know God looks at you and he sees you as a priceless possession he, the first thing you realize is how important you are to God. You're more important than a bird. And you're more important than a flower. You go out to the florist today or to Publix or somewhere. You buy a dozen of the most gorgeous roses you find. Whatever you pay, $25, $30, put those roses in a vase. There, they're gracing your living room. A couple days later, they're not so beautiful and they just wilt away. Aren't you better than that? Jesus says, you've got to put a value upon yourself. Well, how valuable are you to God? I want to show you two ways that you are valuable to God. Two things show you how valuable you are to God. Number one, creation reveals how valuable you are to God. God created the heavens and the earth. He created the animal kingdom. And then as the crown of his creation, he created man in his own image. God has an image, a spiritual image. And God wanted to create something with which he could have fellowship. Now, what does the image of God mean? It simply means that I'm able to have fellowship with God. I'm able to walk with God. and I'm able to know God. I'm able to communicate with God. And God is able to communicate with me. Now let's just suppose that at creation, God had not yet made up his mind about things. And he was looking at all this animal creation that he had made. He wanted to pick out some species so that he could give his image to them and have fellowship with them. He chose you and he chose me. We're made in the image of God. That's how valuable we are. God wants us to have fellowship with him. Now he did not give sparrows the image of God. No dog, the most prize winning dog on this earth does not have an affinity with God. No horse, no Palomino, no Pinto, no champion horse has communication, can worship and know God. Only man can worship and know God. We're the only ones to whom God has revealed himself and God has said, 
I'll not be ashamed to call them my children and God will take care of me because I'm valuable to him. He'll meet your needs. You need to understand that God is much more concerned about your life than you could ever be. What you need to understand is that God loves you. God is concerned about you in the most minute details of your life. Listen, if it's big enough for you to worry about, it's big enough for God to take care of. God is infinitely concerned about your life. He wants to reach into your life. He wants to reach through your life. He wants to touch you with his love and his provision. You are valuable to God. You mean a great deal to him. Now there's another way I can know my value to God. Not only does creation show how valuable you are to God, but the cross of Jesus Christ shows you what you mean to God. How in the world can anybody stand at the foot of the cross and look up and see Jesus bleeding out his life and doubt God's love and concern? Listen, God has a rich investment in you. He loved you so much that he gave his son to die for you on the cross. You weren't worth saving, but God thought you were worth saving. That's what the cross says. God says that in spite of your sin, in spite of your rebellion, in spite of your obstinacy, in spite of the wickedness in your heart, you're worth saving because I made you in my image. I'm going to restore and save my image. You're worth saving. Now, I want you to know something. If you're worth saving, you're worth keeping. Did you know that? You know what Paul said? In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, get that into your soul. God, uh, Paul asked a question. He who did not spare his own son, he didn't spare Jesus. He delivered him up for us all. If that's true, said Paul, won't he freely give us all things? If God sent Jesus to die for you, to save you, don't you think? He'll maintain you. He'll sustain you. Now, which is the greater thing for God to give us? His son or the necessities of life? The greater thing is his son. If God has done the greater thing, don't you know he'll do the lesser thing? The first step in coming to the place where we recognize God's provision in our life is to value ourselves. Listen. God considers you worthwhile. He considers you worth saving and he considers you worth sustaining. And that's why Jesus said, if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul, it's all loss and no profit at all. One single soul is worth more than all the silver and the gold and all the rich things that the world possesses. All right, that's the first thing in God's prescription for his provision. You've got to value yourself. Second thing is, you must forget yourself. Now look, most of us don't have much trouble with that first thing because we think we're worth a lot. Doesn't take much to convince you that you're valuable, but this second point is a little more difficult. Forget yourself. 
Somebody said, no, wait just a minute. I thought you just said that we are valuable. That's right. But Jesus said, don't be overly concerned about yourself. Forget yourself. I want you to look quickly. These verses, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life. Verse 28. Why do you worry about clothing? Verse 31. Don't worry. Verse 34. Don't worry about tomorrow. Four times he tells you, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Now, if Jesus tells you something once, that ought to be enough. But if he tells you four times in one breath, then you ought to get the message. What is he saying? Jesus is saying, quit making yourself the focus of all your attention. Forget yourself. Quit making yourself the center of your little world. The person who does not acknowledge that God is going to provide for him who doesn't look to God for all the essentials of life is going to turn all of his focus of attention on himself. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to make it? He's going to be thinking about himself and about his needs. Look at verse 24. Jesus said, nobody can serve two masters. He's either going to take the one and love the, uh, hate the one and love the other, or else he's going to be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, what is mammon? Somebody said, well, that's just money. Oh, it's much more than that. Mammon simply means all the material things that we trust in. Mammon, the things that we trust in for our livelihood. Jesus said that there are only two things that you can trust in. Either you're going to trust in the material things of life or you're going to trust in God. There's no other alternative. You cannot trust in both of them. You cannot be submissive to the lordship of Jesus and at the same time be a slave to material things, to mammon, the material pursuits of life. That's it. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. You might be a deacon. You might be a Sunday school teacher. You might be a preacher. But you're either bowing down before the God of mammon, the God of material things, placing all your value upon material things, or you're bowing down before the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There is no alternative. These things are mutually exclusive. They're like oil and water. They don't mix. In other words, what I'm trying to say is Jesus does not want you to trust in mammon. So in the very next verse, he says, therefore, don't worry about your life. You've got to forget about yourself completely, your needs, your desires, your ambitions. And unless you do, you're going to find yourself serving those things that will meet your needs. Now, why do you suppose that God has promised to provide for us? Why does God want us to be free from worrying about what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink and about all of our needs? Well, I'll tell you why. As long as I'm worrying about my needs, I can't help you in your needs. Now, you know 
that the Bible over and over again talks to us about being concerned about people, about helping others, and, and about looking not to my own needs only, but to look after the interest of other people. The law of God is simple. It says, if you want to receive, you've got to first give. God knows that if I'm more concerned about myself and my own physical needs more than I ought to be, when somebody comes along in trouble and needs my help, hey, I, I can't take care of him. I'm worried about myself. I've got to focus all my attention first on my own necessities of life. I've got to go out there and look out for number one so I cannot give out of a heart of compassion to the person who is in need. If I'm not thinking about myself, if I'm not worrying about myself, I'm set free. I'm at liberty to help a person who's in desperate need. Why? God has promised to take care of me. God wants us to bow down before his lordship so that we can help others who are in need. And God has said to forget yourself. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, friends, when you really get uptight about your physical needs, you know what? It will lead you into all kinds of sin. Look at a businessman who embezzles funds from his business, who's dishonest in his business. Well, why does he do that? Hey, I've got to look out for number one. I've got to put myself first. Nobody else is going to look out after me. There are a lot of people who cheat on their income taxes. Why? Because they have not acknowledged that God will provide for them. And they've, hey, we've got to look out for ourselves. And this money we have belongs to us. And I'm going to hang on to it as long as I can. In other words, there are people who don't accept God's provision, his prescription for provision. But the person who has a childlike trust in God, that God is going to meet every need, is not going to go out into this world and grasp everything that he can, even if it means dishonesty. You see, worry about your own needs leads to envy, Jealousy, hatred, lying, stealing, murder, immorality. The love of money is the root of all evil. Now look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 and 32. Therefore, don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? After all these things, the pagans, the Gentiles seek, the heathen, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now here we get down to it. Dear friends, you're not going to like what I'm about to say. But this kind of attitude, this distrust, this worry, this fret, this frustration, this anxiety characterizes people who don't know anything about God. It characterizes pagan people. It's the pagans who seek these things. And Jesus says, some of you are acting like Christians on Sunday 
and acting like heathens the rest of the week. There are a lot of people who have a pagan's view of life. They come to church on Sunday morning. Oh, they praise God, pray to Him, acknowledge Him, give their testimonies, and through the rest of the week, they bow down before the God of physical and material needs. We're worrying about how we're going to meet this need, how we're going to accumulate this, and how we're going to have this and that. We spend, spend all of our energies to make this and to get that. We base our standard of values on the basis of what we possess. And if your life is measured by what you possess, you're living just like a heathen. And the only way that we can live like a Christian ought to live Monday through Saturday is to recognize that God has promised to meet all of our needs. Somebody says, now wait just a minute. Are you saying I don't have to work? You mean tomorrow morning I can call up my boss and say, boss, I've discovered something. God's going to take care of me. <laughs> you know what? That reminds me of this young fellow going out with this, this sweet girl and she brought him home to, <clears throat> to meet, uh, meet her dad. And, and, and mother said, now look, you've got to find out where this boy stands. How's he going to take care of our daughter? And so the father took the young man in, into another room, set him down and said, well, I want to say, I want to ask you, uh, uh, how are you going to provide for my daughter? How are you going to give her the, the things that she needs and expects? Oh, I trust God. God's going to take care of me. God's going to provide well, have you, got a, have you got a job? Oh, I'm trusting God. God will take care of me. And well, uh, 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 how about the future? I don't worry about the future. God will take care of us. Well, later on, the wife said, well, how'd it go? He said, well, you know, seems to be okay, but you, you know what? He thinks I'm God. <laughs> No, it doesn't mean you don't have to work. You know better than that. The Bible says six days you shall labor. On the seventh you shall rest. A person who doesn't believe that God will provide for him won't even rest on the seventh day. God says to labor six days. He'll meet your needs. He'll take care of everything. And a lot of people say, just a minute. Everything I have is mine I earned it by the sweat of my brow, my, by my own ability, my own ingenuity. I made this money. I bought these things with money that I earned. Well, you know what? Who gave you the ability to do that? Doesn't the Bible say it's God who gives you the power to get wealth? That's what it says. Everything comes from God. Whatever you have in this life, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. You say, well, God never has given me anything. My home, my car, my clothes, everything I have, I went out and earned money and bought these things. Don't forget, it's God who gives you the power to get wealth. This little girl went to Sunday school. Her parents never went to church. They weren't saved. 
And the Sunday school teacher says, you know, we ought to bow our heads and we ought to bless God for the food before we eat. Well, that uh, afternoon they were eating lunch and little girl says, you know, I'd like to say the blessing. And, oh, okay. So she didn't know how to pray. She just saw everything on the table and went through the list. Lord, thank you for the meat. Lord, thank you for the potatoes. Lord, thank you for the bread. Lord, thank you for the milk. She went on, finished, and the father didn't like that very much. He said, darling, I want to teach you something. God didn't put a thing on this table. Your daddy did. God didn't go out there and work and, and, and uh, earn money to buy this meat and that bread and so on. Your daddy did that. God didn't put milk in your glass. Your daddy did. Little girl bowed her head again and said, dear Lord, thank you for daddy. You can't get away from it. You, you draw it out to its logical end, and there you'll find God. It is God who gives you the power to get wealth. All right, I want you to know that it is the Lord who gives, the Lord who takes away, and it is the Lord who's to be blessed. There are some people who will never learn the, God's prescription for provision until God absolutely bankrupts them, breaks them, puts them in a corner where they have to learn to trust God. Okay, first thing, you realize how valuable you are to God. Second thing, don't be so concerned about material things. You make yourself the center of your world. Third thing, Jesus says, dedicate yourself. All these things are important. But look at verse 33. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what will happen? All these things will be added to you. Now I want you to notice the first word in verse 33. B-U-T. That is a strong word of contrast. But what? Look at what comes just before that but. He's talking about the heathens. This is characteristic of the heathens to worry and to be anxious. But you're not like that. You trust God. All these pagans and heathens are all the time worrying about the material things of life. They're seeking this. They're dedicated to that. They're dedicated to getting a better job. They're dedicated to accumulating the world's wealth. They're dedicated to all this stuff. Jesus said, instead of dedicating yourself to material things, dedicate yourself to the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Jesus said, I promise you, if you forget about yourself, if you consecrate yourself, if you narrow down your dedication to one thing only, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God will take care of everything else in your life. They'll be added to you. God has promised to meet every need you have if only you will seek him and his righteousness first. Now, what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? I want you to know he's not talking about wanting to go to heaven. He's not talking about concentrating on trying to get to heaven. No, sir, the kingdom of God is not a place. The kingdom of God is a way of life. The kingdom of God is God's rule in your life. It means God has first place. It means that God has absolute control. And what is righteousness? Righteousness is God's way of doing things. Jesus is saying, if you'll seek God's rule in your life 
And if you do things his way of doing things, all these other things will be added to you. Just allow God to rule in your life. If you do that, he provides for you. Now somebody says, well, you know what? I needed something, but I didn't receive it. Well, I want, to know, want you to know what you did not receive, you did not require. The Lord may withhold some things from us to teach us that there are other things that are more important than that you don't need some things. Over and over again, when you find that God didn't give you something, you find out you didn't need it. And there's something more valuable. Now, I want to tell you something very practical here. And let me show you something you may never have thought about. Most of us do what Jesus told us to do. We pray. We pray the way Jesus told us. Jesus said we're to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Well, we do that. We get backed up into a corner. We say, Lord, I have this need. Lord, I've got all these bills. Lord, I got this financial need. Lord, I want to ask you to meet this need. Now, wait just a moment, though. Some of us are asking God to do something. We pray and ask God to do something. Something that we are denying that he has the right to do by the life that we live. Now, on what basis is God able to meet my needs? On the basis that he's the owner of all things. That he possesses all things. Listen, dear friend, you have no right to ask God to take the wealth of the world and give it to you unless he owns it. If God is not the owner of all things, he has no right to give it to people. Is that not true? Well, many of us, in the way that we live, in the way that we treat God with our money, we're denying in practice that God is the owner of all things. We withhold our material substance from God. We're saying, in effect, God is not the owner of all things. God, you have no right to tell me what to do with my life. You have no right to tell me what to do with my possessions. And then we turn around and ask God to meet our needs. We're asking God to do something in prayer that we're denying he has a right to do in practice. The only way I have any right to come to God and say, Lord, here's my need, whether it's physical, material, financial, spiritual, the only way I have the right to do that in the first place is if I'm acknowledging his ownership of my life and all things in this world. To that person, Jesus says, I'll open the doors of heaven and I pour out blessings upon you that you cannot even contain. Don't you know there are a lot of problems that come from our anxiety and worry about, about our material needs. God never intended that we should worry about where our next meal is coming from. God never intended that we should be unduly anxious about material things alive. Listen to what David wrote in the Psalms. David said, I've been young, 
I'm now old, but all my life, he said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. God never intended that we should worry and be uptight and anxious about daily life. God said, I'll take care of you. Then you can be free to serve me. You can be free to praise me. And you can have time to help your fellow man. Forget those material things. Trust me. Put me first. Seek first my rule in your life. And all these things will be added to you. Now, I do not, I do not deny that we have physical needs. I have needs. You have needs. All of us have needs. You have a physical need. You have a financial need. You have a marital problem. You have needs with your children. All of us have needs. But all I'm simply saying is what Jesus has said. There is a prescription for God's provision. And it is not to be so anxious and concerned that your time, your thoughts, your entire life is consumed by all this worry and anxiety. God doesn't want that. God says, first of all, you concentrate on me and my righteousness. I'll take care of all these things. I want us to pray right now. Whatever need you have, I want you to thank God right now. He's met that need. We've got some people who, are, who have physical needs. We've got people who are not here today. They would be here, but they're not here because they are physically incapable. We need to pray for them, and let's do We've got people sitting here right now who've got an appointment with a doctor this week, and they're going to receive news over tests that they have had, news about surgery and other things. We've got all kinds of needs, right? And God wants us to take those needs where? To him and acknowledge he is sovereign. He's in control of my life and he'll supply every need. So let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you are indeed the owner of all things, including my life. You own all the wealth of this world. You own my life, and I'm yours. And Lord, I just, I, I want to seek you first. Concentrate on serving you and loving you. And Lord, here are these needs. You know our needs even before we ask. And I pray for every person right here in this building right now. There are those of you who have a physical need. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you that this is your child. I thank you that you know this physical need. I thank you, my Lord, you're a heavenly Father who loves us more than the birds of the air. I thank you, Lord, right now for reaching out and touching, touching this person with that physical infirmity. In the name of Jesus, be healed in the, by the power of God. Lord, you know these financial needs. You know, Lord, how we're struggling to make it. You know this man needs a job. You know, Lord, the, the needs. You know these marital concerns. You know, Lord, everything. And I pray in the name of Jesus, as Jesus has taught us to pray, give us our daily bread.
But at the same time, Lord, we will not live like the heathens. We acknowledge you as sovereign and we trust in you and we proclaim right now your own word. My God shall supply my every need. Dear friend, take that. God will supply your every need. Your every, you need a job. Financial need, you need healing. My God will supply my every need according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. If you have not acknowledged God's sovereignty in your life, you need to do it right now today. Don't you leave this place today without Jesus Christ ruling in your heart and your life. Give your life to him. If you want to come to this altar for prayer, I ask you to come. I'd like to pray with you about your need, whatever it is. Would you stand, please, and let's sing. Maybe you want to make this, this church your church home. Let's come right now.
Isn't it great that we, we have a loving Heavenly Father? Isn't that wonderful? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. You know, God never promises that we'll be free from trials. We all have trials. We've been talking about that on Monday nights, first chapter of James. Uh, we have trials, but I tell you what, God uses them to bring us to completion and, and uh, to drive us to a greater trust in him. Tonight, don't miss tonight, we're going to have a report uh, from the Belize team. Going to be a wonderful report of, of what happened. And then tomorrow night, oh, listen, so many people have come out on Monday nights, 6.30, for our Bible study. And God has been there. That's the best thing. And uh, God has just been speaking to us. And, uh, and then we got a fish fry coming up. <laughs> it's up there. That's good, too. You know what? Why did you, why did you schedule that thing when I won't even be here? You, that was done deliberately. You could move that up a couple of weeks or so. Well, at any rate, am I, am I missing something? Anything else? We need people to fish. We need what? We need people to fish. Oh, yeah. That, I, I think uh, what they're saying is there's a fish fry schedule tentatively. <laughs> it depends upon the, whether or not there are fish to fry. So go fishing is what they're saying. That's biblical, you know. Peter said, I go fishing. <laughs> and so uh, you're being biblical when you go fishing. And uh, so save your fish uh, and clean them too and put them in the freezer and, and uh, bring them then on August 18th. All right? Thank you so much for your presence here. God bless you, Father. I pronounce the blessings of heaven upon these your people. Lord God, I pray they will walk in perfect trust of you without one fear, one anxious thought. And Lord, your word says that you will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is stayed on you. So Lord, we don't concentrate on all those things that are worrying us. We just concentrate on you because you're our loving Heavenly Father. 
Amen. Amen.